on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Hey, Bridge family. Andy here with episode two of the Journey Together podcast. What you just heard was from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 to 6. That was a passage of scripture that God led me to read as soon as I woke up on Easter morning, way before the sun rose and before our Easter morning gathering at the Hartman's place this past Sunday. And that line from verse 5, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Those words really resonated with me in a way that they never had before. Just thinking about the angel's delivery of good news in the form of this question. The good news that Jesus had risen from death itself. And really, it's kind of weird and scary how talking about the resurrection of Jesus can become so normal to us when in reality it truly is something that was not only miraculous but something that was life-changing for the world history change yeah history changing <laughs> um so yeah today really I just want to spend some time really reflecting on the real gravity of the resurrection, why it matters and what it means to us now. So Jesus himself in the week actually leading up to his crucifixion during Holy Week, as we know it, he has this exchange with Martha, the sister of Lazarus, a man who he was close friends with personally and a man who ended up dying. And Martha despondent in midst her brother's loss, knowing that Jesus had the power to heal him from the sickness that ultimately took his life. She is, of course, despairing and grieving. And Jesus says to her in John 11, verse 23, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So what Jesus is telling her here is he is the embodiment, the epitome of eternal life. Because resurrection is is being raised from the first death that everyone is bound to experience barring Jesus return. And if we are raised from that death, he says, they shall never die. Whoever believes in me shall never die. And so I just think it's so profound that in the week leading up to his own death and resurrection, Jesus tells someone plainly, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, in the New Testament, 
the Apostle Paul, in his first letter to the church in Corinth, he he takes the time to address, apparently, a portion of the church that doesn't believe in the possibility of resurrection. Verse 12 of chapter 15, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ. So Paul is making a very specific and very direct point that if resurrection is impossible, then obviously Jesus can't have resurrected. And if Jesus can't have been resurrected, then he says, your faith is in vain. And he doubles down on that in a few verses later in verse 17 saying, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Now, knowing what we know from his letter to the Roman church, where he says the wages of sin is death, what Paul is communicating here is, if Christ has not been raised, then we are still in our sins, our faith is futile, which means we are still doomed to death. But praise God that just in the next few verses, starting in verse 20, Paul says this, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Now, this might seem a little weird, but basically Paul is referring to how sin came into the world through Adam, the first man, one man. But Paul is saying equally so by one man, Jesus, eternal life is possible. Resurrection is possible. And so I think it's just so powerful, first of all, that that Paul is willing to, in a way, put all the chips on resurrection. He's saying, and this is, of course, by the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit himself. Paul is saying, yeah, the resurrection is everything. Without the resurrection, this faith is nothing. Without the resurrection, your faith is futile, meaningless, impotent. Without it, you are still in your sins, and without it, therefore, you are still dead. But... No, Jesus has been raised. It is possible. You know, I wish we had the time to to flesh out the the case to make for the truth of the resurrection. Unfortunately, that that literally there's literally dozens if not hundreds of books out in the world that do a much more articulate job of of that than I ever could. But suffice to say the account of all the apostles and those who came to faith, who lived in the time of Jesus' resurrection, who saw the resurrected Jesus, the hundreds, if not thousands. And not only that, but the testimony of the generations and generations and generations that succeeded the apostles and all those who personally witnessed the resurrected Jesus. To me, that that already is more than enough to believe that 
yes, the man Jesus Christ, he did raise from the dead. And because he raised from the dead, I can have eternal life. That's something that I hope never falls on a hardened heart, never falls on deaf ears of mine. It's it, it's my prayer for myself, for y'all, that God would always keep us receptive, grateful, joyful for the fact that we have eternal life because of a resurrected Savior, a Savior who conquered death itself, conquered Satan and the grip he has on us because of our sin. So if you will, I'd just like to pray that over you now, pray that over our church family, pray that over believers all around the world, and honestly pray that for those who don't yet believe but will someday. God, we just thank you that that you have done something that we could not do, that you have given us eternal life when we did not deserve it, that you have freed us from the bondage of sin. God, God, I thank you that not only do you free us from the eternal bondage of sin, but you give us power and grace and mercy daily to fight the sin in our own lives. God, we thank you that your kingdom is coming and is now here. God, we thank you that we can look forward to being resurrected with Jesus someday. We thank you that you give us hope in the midst of an otherwise eternal darkness. And I pray that by your spirit, you would continually keep us faithful to this truth that Jesus Christ has risen, that he is victorious, and because he is victorious, we are victorious. So I just pray this over my brothers and sisters. I pray that people who don't, I can't now call brothers and sisters, would someday come to a belief in Jesus' resurrection that I could call them brothers and sisters. God, we thank you that you love us. I pray that we would that we would live in that love, that we would share that love joyfully, that we would share it share it readily yeah. with eagerness, God. And we we can't wait for the day that we are resurrected into eternal life with you. Amen. The Bridge HTX is a network of house churches located in Houston, Texas. We commit to a journey of transformation together towards Jesus for the glory of God.